Well, amen. Well, this morning, uh, as I, last week I, I shared with you, it was just 20 minutes before service. I just felt like the Lord was kind of pushing us in a different direction. All week I couldn't shake that feeling that he had a little bit more to say this week. And so uh, you'll notice on our sermon calendar, we're back in the book of John as we started two weeks ago. But we're just going to go one more week to just let the Lord kind of talk in the direction he wants uh, in this. And then we'll jump back into John next week. So this morning, again, uh, you're not going to see anything on the screen. I just want to kind of share with you uh, some words. If you want to grab a Bible, because we'll look at four verses, uh, they're, they're on the back there. Or use your phone and get there. It's always, I, I think, more powerful and more engaging if your eyes are on the scripture. So I encourage you to do that with your, your phone tablet or grab your Bible uh, if you don't have that uh, uh, with you. Um, now, some of you have been following maybe the, the uh, as they're saying, the revival at Asbury University. Have you seen some of this? Some of you have seen this and been following, maybe tracking on Facebook, even made some national news. Um, a chapel service that began now 11 days or 12 days ago now that has continued almost nonstop has continued from that morning, just an outpouring, as it's been described, of the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, not only just at Asbury University, but now it has spread out in uh, an incredible amount of spaces on Christian colleges, on secular colleges, uh, and it's really neat what the Lord is doing. Um, you may not know, my wife is an Asbury College, or Asbury University now, grad, uh, and I'm an Asbury Seminary grad, and I coached baseball at Asbury uh, College for uh, a few years as well. And so that... That place is very, very dear to our heart, and so we're excited about what the Lord is doing. Now, you've seen some of these pictures. Let me show you one uh, picture here. Um, this is what it's looked like nonstop around the clock for the past 12 days in this worship service. Now, what this doesn't show you is outside, there are just lines down the street of people desiring and wanting to get in as well, and they're kind of cycling people uh, through. We were on a conference call yesterday morning with the alumni of Asbury. 504 alumni were on this Zoom call, and we listened to some of the leadership of the school. Guys, the, one of the student council leaders of the school, she's, her name's Michaela, she's a senior. I was blown away by her heart um, in, in this whole thing. She shared as well from a student perspective. Um, but I'm guessing of all the stuff you might have seen on Facebook or tracked, here's an image you haven't seen. Take a look at this one. You know what this is? This is about 10.05, excuse me, about 11.05 after the chapel service ended 12 days ago. A thousand students are in chapel. The speaker, we listened to the message uh, yesterday and, and uh, really neat, really solid message. Um, they dismissed. A thousand students went out to go to lunch, classes, wherever else they were headed. This small group stayed back. A young man at the altar, a couple small groups in circles, just feeling like they had not been released yet, and they had some more business to do with the Lord and prayer. And it took just a couple hours for some other students to realize, hey, chapel's kind of still going on, and they started trickling back. The seminary president, which the seminary is across the street, happened to be on campus with the college president. They walked through this chapel, saw what was going on, the seminary president sent an email to the whole seminary saying, I really think the Holy Spirit's doing something across the street. If you want to go, it's available to you. Um, and about 200 students, seminary students, came across the street and joined this, and it's been going since. Just a small group that felt led by God. Now, this morning, I believe this. This is what I haven't been able to shake this week. Um, 
I believe that here at Wendover Hills, we need a spiritual awakening. In fact, I heard yesterday it called that the first time. People, if you look on Facebook, there's a debate on, is this a revival? Is it not a revival? Here's the definition of revival. I don't care about any of that, that, all right? But somebody yesterday said it is clearly a spiritual awakening. God is doing something in the hearts of thousands upon thousands of people because of a small group that stayed and prayed, and now it's in their court. What are they going to do with it now, what God has done and what God has revealed to their heart? And I thought, that's the word, that Wendover Hills, we need a spiritual awakening. Now listen, we are solid, Christian, moral, nice people. We, we are, I know you, right? People are impressed by you when they come and visit the church, how friendly and caring and, and that you are. So we're solid, Christian, solid, moral, loving people. And we need a spiritual awakening. There's something even more I think God wants to do because if we're not careful, I don't know, and I put we in the category here, we can be comfortable, solid Christian moral people. We can even be complacent, solid Christian moral people. And I think God wants more, and he's calling us to more, and he wants to do more within us. So here's what I want to do this morning. Um, I want to just share with you like four things that I would say, like if we're going to live out this thing called Christianity, these are kind of absolutes. These are absolutes to know or they're absolutes to do, right? And here's what I want to invite you to do. I, I lit the candle this week. Um, as, as you remember, we've talked a couple times uh, heavily in our Revelation study, but I've talked a couple times on Sunday morning about this is a representation of God's presence just in, like in the temple, the oil candle was always to be burning, always, around the clock. That was a presence that this God dwells here. And this is, a, this is a symbol of God's presence is here. He's here. Now, it's a symbol, right? It doesn't mean when I blow out that candle later because the fire marshal is not letting me keep this going, all right? It doesn't mean God's pre presence already sends it. Well, the candle's out. I'm out, you know, um, in fact, God's presence will be here, and God's presence will go with you out there. Because guess what? God's presence is already out there too, right? But there's a symbol here. It may very well be that it's not the message this morning. It's not what I'm going to talk through this morning. It's not the images this morning. It may very well be for you that your eyes stay focused over here, and you're impacted and reminded about God's desire to be present in your life. And if we're not careful, sometimes we live a life where he's not present or we feel that because we've blocked him out. He's present. He's here. This is a symbol for you. But as I walk through these, I want to show you another symbol. You know it. Looks like this. Whew, it's a little harder if almost 50. <laughs> this is a symbol. Do you know what this is a symbol of? Surrender. I surrender before you. You don't have to surrender before God by getting on your knees, right? You understand that. You can dump your whole heart and life into God's hands without getting in this position, right? You could actually ask your spouse to marry you without getting down on a knee in this position. That's kind of a surrender position. You know, will you marry me? Did it go that way for you? Yeah. On the knee? All right, good, good. Um, but you don't even have to do that. But this is a symbol. And what's it a symbol of? Surrender. Here's what I want to invite you to do this morning. I know this is different than we normally do. As I'm sharing with you these four, it might be that God hits your heart early on. The very first one, you might say, God is touching my heart on that. That is what I need to hear. 
I want to invite you, the altar's here. You can come right down. You can come right down and kneel at the altar and pray. You don't even have to listen to another word I say after that. When the Lord captures you or the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, you can move and do business with him from that point. Um, Because I know you probably listen to this sermon two or three times during the week anyway, right? So you'll pick up the other later. Not the case. I want to invite you into that posture. If you're like, I'll do it right at my seat. I want to I kneel. And I know you're saying like, is he talking metaphorically? No, I'm actually inviting you to literally kneel before the Lord in that posture. And maybe if the Lord hits you in the first point, you can't make it 25 minutes. I get it. It's concrete and thin layer of carpet. Um, but even the symbolism of I'm surrendering before, I'm going before the Lord on that idea. I want to invite you to do that. As odd for us as it seems, we're pretty, we're, you know, we're fairly you know, conservative people in our movement sometimes in worship service, but the freedom should be here to go before the Lord. Is that welcoming? I hope it is to you. And take advantage as, as, as the Lord leads. All right, let's, let's look at, at four. Here's the first thing you need to be reminded. None of these are going to be earth-shattering, at least not in their concept. You've heard them before. But I hope you'll hear them in the Spirit this morning. Here's the first one. You are so loved by God. Do you understand that when somebody says that? Have you been in church too long that you've gotten immune to the concept of being so loved by God? Christine, a gym friend, just had her second baby, right? And I said, do you mind if I come by and visit you? Took her a a meal, right? It used to be my COVID casserole. Some of you got it, but it doubled up for a newborn casserole too. So I took her that casserole. And when I was there in her living room, her and her husband and this little one, not that little, but I don't know, maybe super little. We forget how little, right? And I mean, this is her second baby. She's been through this. And she's beaming. I mean, just like gushing about this. I mean, this baby being here. It just, she wanted to tell me the whole story. Now, listen, I'm a guy. And she's wanting to tell me the whole story about going into labor and going and how he's, you know, and I'm like, listen, your husband probably doesn't want to hear that story. So, I mean, we just move on as guys, right? But I'm listening to her because she is gushing. And you know what she's doing when she's saying this? She's saying, I so love this baby. She just met that baby like three days ago. She don't know anything about that baby, right? At least not what that baby will be. God so loves you. Listen, I don't think you can really move forward in your Christian life and understand fully who God has designed you to be, what he wants to do in and through you and offer you, if it doesn't start with really understanding and receiving the idea that you are so loved by him, so deeply loved by him. Listen to a verse, um, and uh, some of the verse at the beginning will kind of fit in with what I talked about, the revival of the candle, but then this other part talks about the love. This is Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, if you want to take a look at it. Again, a verse you've probably heard before. But hear it in the spirit this morning. Hear it in the idea that you are so deeply loved. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That energizes us right there, that he may... Give us power and strengthen us in his spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all uh, the Lord's holy people. Now listen to this. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Amen? How long and wide an immeasurable amount, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This love is so wide and deep, and it passes knowledge. You can't understand, you can't wrap yourself around it, but you can receive it. You can receive it. I am so loved by God. We've all heard the stories of how a kid grows up unloved, and what eventually happens in that kid's life. Difficulty, sometimes tragedy. But a kid that is loved has every advantage. And that is you, loved by your father. Do you need to hear that this morning? Listen, even, even the hardest man who doesn't express love can be touched and moved by the idea that you are loved so deeply by your heavenly Father. You've got to start with that. If you've been a Christian a while and you just have not even considered that concept, it's like in the past, you've got to reconsider it. Because that's the basis and start to this thing we call Christianity. It is God's love and how he pours it out for you. Here's the word I want to leave with you on this, on this point. The word is receive, to receive. For you this morning, the going to your knees might be you need to receive God's love. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you were hurt by your family, a spouse, friends. Maybe you would just say life in general has just hurt. And I can't grasp and understand this concept of love. Or even when people say it, even right now as I'm speaking it, there is almost a pushback against it. But you know, you know there has to be something more. And I'm inviting you in the Spirit this morning to receive His love. Receive His love. That's our first start. Yeah, I missed a, a little thing I wanted to say. I think it was, is impactful. What I want these things I'm talking about this morning, I want them to be like an itchy sweater. Do you know what an itchy sweater does? Like, you're like, you know, you know, like when you get a little piece of grass is still stuck in your sweater and it's scratching your back and you got to take it off and just go up and down and try to find what is this thing that's scratching me. That's what I want these things we're talking about this morning to be that you would not go out of here this morning without dealing with that itch. So that's the first, would you receive? Here's the second, and it goes along with last week. Your sin, our sin, creates separation. Like, like we have to understand that our sin actually creates separation in our relationship with God. The love never goes away, but there is this relationship, this, this, this thing God wants to have with us that's strained to some degree in our sin. The separation that we talked about last week is there when that happens. And that is a problem. Listen, we understand that. I mean, parents, kids, relationships, you know, you've been in one. Have you ever had a little uh, something pop up? Or maybe it's not a little something, it's something huge, right? And guess what? Right away, there was separation, like, right away, we do one of two things. We either pull back and, like, I don't want to be around you, 
right? Or I want to be around you, and I'm about to raise my voice, and we're going to get into it, right? Those are the two responses. Both of them have some form of separation within them. It's not right, and you know in the relationship, it just doesn't feel right. There's healing has to happen. Something has to happen. That's what our sin does. The worst thing I could ever do as a husband is to continue some behavior or habit that is causing a problem in my relationship with my kids or with my wife and just be like, oh, well, I I mean, I guess they're going to have to figure that out or just be oblivious myself to it because separation is created and it's a problem. But when I go before my spouse, my kids, or you do the same thing in any relationship, and I say, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? I was wrong there. I don't know why I said that. I was a little upset. I went too far. Whatever the case may be, you can think of your own. What have I done? I'm bridging this gap. I'm bridging this separation. And the same is true in our sin. And there's something about when you come and you confess and you say, I take ownership. I did that. I was wrong. That's not what the word of God teaches me. That was rebellion or that was injustice towards somebody else or that was like deliberately creating separation. When I own that and proclaim it and say it, there is this burden that is lifted off of me and there is this barrier that is removed as well. And we're rolling in a time in our culture where we're moving more and more in this idea that sin doesn't really exist. And it's not God's word. And yet, we're struggling in relationships all the time, not understanding why. So this morning, I would invite you a similar response. But listen to this, this passage. You probably know it, 1 John 1, 9. Sound familiar to you? If we confess... I did it. I own it. If we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. If I will confess, if I will take ownership, if I will say, God, I did that, or I'm doing that, he will be faithful. What is he doing? He will be faithful to eliminate the separation. I forgive you, and I will purify you. Do you know that the number one form of purification in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, do you know what it is? You know, a a physical thing that was used for purification? Take a guess. Fire. Fire. Ooh, fire. You know know what I did last week, or two weeks ago now? Um, I was cooking on a baking sheet, and I got one glove mitt out, and I put it on this hand, and I pulled out it with this hand, and what did I instinctually do? Grabbed it with my left hand, you know, and I burned all my fingertips, right? Um, You know, they're healing up nicely, but all the fingertips, right? And you can tell me all you want. You were purifying your fingertips. I'm just going to tell you that hurt, (laughs) oh, bad. I mean, first, you know, like you have that little stage where you can't quite feel the pain yet, but you know you just did something. You know, like, I was like, oh, it's so stupid, Tom. Why'd you do it? And Sierra's in the other room, not knowing what's going on. So, um, but that is the representation in the scripture. Fire purifies. And you know, fire can hurt, but it's purifying us. 
You know what God's saying? I forgive you, and I'll purify you. And you'll probably have to still walk through some pain of your sin, but you're forgiven. And I want to purify you and bring you back and eliminate separation. Here's the invitation for you. Maybe on your knees, confess. Just confess. We're moving so far away from the invitation to confess in the contemporary church world. And I'll I'm, I'm be honest, and I apologize, I've been guilty of it myself, not prioritizing the invitation to confess. That's the second thing this morning. Here's the third thing. Uh, God wants all of you. I don't know how to get around it, um, and maybe you don't either. Maybe it's been a, like a holy tension. You know what those, those tensions are sometimes? You read, a, you read a, a verse or you read a passage, and you're like, I always thought this, but when I read this passage, it sounds like this, and you get this tension, right? I have this tension that I read that I can't get past it. When I read the Gospels and I read what Jesus is talking about, and then I read especially what Paul picks up on and he understands uh, Jesus to say, I can't get past the idea that God wants all of us. He wants like this full surrender to him. Like, like that God's not interested in just this idea like, hey, I'm a member of the club now. I'll show up, you know, when, I don't, when, you know, when, I'm, when I'm able. I'll show up, but I'm a member, so Awesome. Like, that's not his system at all. He wants this full surrender. I've said it to you, to give everything I know of myself to everything I know of God. That's what I see over and over in Scripture. And as a Christian of many years, and many of you are as well, like, I know a lot about myself and the Lord. And there's times where I'm like, I'm not surrendering those areas. I'm not giving that to the Lord. How is it? that I can receive all of what God has to offer me if I don't surrender myself to him. If I don't say, here I am, Lord. When I wake up and say, here I am, this day is yours. Lead me in the way you want to leave me. Lead me today to surrender fully. That when God says, hey, I don't think that's the wisest route for you to go, that I would say, I'm yours, Lord. I will walk. You don't think that's the wisest route? I won't go that way. I really wanted it, but I won't go that way. That is surrender. Go talk to that person. Go give something to that person. You know, if the Lord's, I am yours, Lord. I surrender before you. Surrender. Paul speaks about it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is, listen to this, this is true and proper worship. There's only a couple times in the Bible we get this phrase about true or real worship. And none of them have to do with singing, okay? None of them have really to do even with, you know, listening to a sermon and go, man, that pastor was on this morning. But they do have to do with how we live out our lives, what we're doing, and here he's saying, look, offer your bodies, offer yourselves, offer all that you are to the Lord. And what is it called? This is true worship of God. When I offer myself fully over to him, notice how he puts it as a living sacrifice. Now, this is significant because uh, 
they understood sacrifice. They understood a sacrificial system. They understood, even those that were Gentiles, they were non-Jewish people in the Roman system, they understood sacrifice, right? They just did it from a pagan perspective. And he is saying, look, offer yourselves, your life, as you're living, offer it to the Lord. Offer it to the Lord, meaning that you're still gonna live, but you're offering all of this, all that you are, here I am, Lord, I'm yours. Could it be this morning that a spiritual awakening is halted because good, moral, Christian people like us are just not surrendering ourselves fully to the Lord to say, here, here I am. Hey, that's not, that's not for us like heap guilt on us, like, oh, you're doing good, but you gotta do more, you know, kind of thing. This is just the Lord saying, I want all of you. And then just see what I can do in and through you. So here's the word. The word for you is consecrate. When I consecrate something, it's, it's like you go to the store, you buy some groceries, right? You come home and you're going to make a dinner that night, but you bought groceries for the week. What do you normally do? As you put all the groceries away, you might keep out those items that are for tonight and put them over here on the counter. You know, I don't know, your box of... of some rice stuff you're making or a couple potatoes. I, I don't know what you're making here. You know, already you're like, what is he making for dinner? Rice and potatoes? That's two starches. Oh, you're putting it aside. And what are you doing when you put it aside for that night? You have consecrated those items for a purpose. You have said, I'm setting those aside. This is here. When we consecrate our lives, when we set ourselves, uh, our lives aside and say, my life is for you, Lord. It's for you. There are so many things that my life can be for here. I love golf. My life could be for golf. I could play every day, right? But when I consecrate it to the Lord, maybe the Lord says, hey, I want you to reach people for Christ through golf. Be awesome, Lord. So, but who knows? The beauty of it is I'm not saying, here's the deal, God. I'll do this if I could get this. When I consecrate, I just say, I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. You lead and guide and direct from here. Your invitation this morning on that, if you need to go to your knees and to surrender your life and say, I consecrate my life to you, Lord. Set my, side of life, uh, my life aside for you. Do that. You have an invitation this morning. The final is this. God wants you to tell our world. We talk about this often. And I had this, this feeling last week, even before the sermon, this idea that popped in my head. You, you can tell me if you confirm this or not. But I, I got this, this thought like, you know, like, man, the pastor and the team up here is, is always talking, you know, invite people, tell people about Jesus. We want to do a training thing about Jesus. We want to do. And the conviction of my heart before last week's sermon was, why don't you start with these other areas of people really doing business with God? Understanding their loved, confessing, consecrating, and surrendering their life so that there is something to share. And could it be that we have a lot of Christians, maybe in our church, but certainly through the, the, the church in general world, the universal church world, could it be that we just, we're just not connected to God enough to have much to be excited to share? But at some point, 
At some point, you know what he wants to do? He wants to take your understanding that you're loved. And he wants to take your confession that you've been forgiven for. And he wants to take your surrender and your consecration. And he wants to turn you right around and he wants to say, tell somebody else. Tell somebody. It's gone 12 days, the Asbury Revival. It'll go tomorrow and it'll go Tuesday. It'll go Wednesday. And at five o'clock, intentionally shut down. Why? Because they want to turn it into a commissioning where they say, now go out and share with others what you've experienced. Share with others what you've heard. Go wherever you think the Holy Spirit is telling you to go. What you haven't heard as well, and we heard it yesterday on this call, that there are some families that have shown up to churches in the area. We're connected with the Free Methodist Church there. Some families that have shown up and they said, we just had this this feeling like God did something around the dinner table that he's never done in our house, and they had not been to Asbury College to experience the revival, that you would just now commission, just take it somewhere else, let it go somewhere else, as if the Holy Spirit is already saying, and God is already saying, look, I'm raring to go, I just need you. I need you to go and be the voice to share your testimony of how you were loved, how you were forgiven, how your, your surrender was received, go tell somebody else that. And it could be for you this morning uh, that that's the thing, where you get on your knees and say, God, would you commission me to go now and share? I so want to share the hope I have. So this morning, um, here's the verse that goes with it, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 16, 15. I love it from the message translation. Here's what it says. Then he said, Jesus, um, go into the world, go everywhere, and announce the message of God's good news to one and to all, to now go share it with someone else. The word for you in that to surrender on or to go to your knees on is the word commission. God wants to commission you to go tell somebody else, a brother, a sister, a daughter, a son, uh, an employee, a coworker, somebody you do hobby with, anybody. God wants you to go and share it now. Lord, would you commission me? So that's the word I felt like the Lord put on my heart this week. I'm excited to jump back into John next week. I hope you'll, you'll do some prep work and get in there and do some reading in chapter 13. But this week, I felt like this is what we need to hear. And just like we do every week, like we, we usually in, intentionally don't have the praise team return. We, we never want to capitalize on emotion. We just want to share God's word. And then it's in your hands. It's in my hands as, as you know, I speak it, but I hear it too, um, to now say, what, what will we go and do with this? So let me do this. I want to pray again this week. I want to, again, just leave some space in the prayer. You have a time with the Lord on whatever you want to to speak to him about. So let's pray. Father, <clears throat> I pray, Lord, this morning that this would be one that the sweater is way too itchy, Lord. It's just annoying us <laughs> to not scratch that itch or deal with that. Father, if you have in any way itched the heart of people this morning by thinking about those four areas of that, that they're so loved, that confession is necessary that we need to surrender and consecrate our lives, Lord, and that you want to commission us. Father, if, if, if anyone is itched in those areas, would this, would this be a moment 
If they haven't already in this sermon, would this be a moment where they would surrender that thing to you, whatever it may be? Whether they just do it in prayer or again, you are invited to go to your knees and offer that. This is your time. Father, thank you. Receive our heart's cry. We're consecrated to you, we pray. In your son's name, amen. Well, hey, I have um, a couple of announcements that I just wondered before. We have a few minutes here. Um, I just wondered, did somebody just have a word from the Lord they just wanted to share? Did something, just something pop in your heart and head this morning? You felt like the Lord spoke and you just wanted to give testimony to it. Um, again, like I said last week, sometimes this is risky because we could just stare at each other for a few minutes. Um, but uh, the Lord does more in a brief testimony than what I can usually offer in 30-minute word. Oh, anybody a word to share? Hey, I'll, I'll just share a quick testimony of the value of Christian community and Christian connection. Um, Mike, you don't know this, but like I was struggling flushing this out. I was, I was kind of like, the Lord wants to share something here. I got some scrambled thoughts. Um, but over our scrambled eggs yesterday, um, well, we didn't have scrambled eggs, but I was trying to, you know, segue there. But over our breakfast, like just, just the conversation helped me flush out some thoughts, and I appreciate that. That's what God does. He helps a message become clearer when you're, you're with brothers and sisters in Christ. So, um, so, yes, please. God 
Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Marcus. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Anybody else? A word you want to share? All right. Oh, please. situation and also when I was because I have some things that go on with my mind some things have post-traumatic stress and different things and don't think that because you struggle with something that that you have the enemy in you that's not the case he attacks you with those things and when you're out of your mind you can guarantee that God will be the only thing that is tangible and is a rock for you through that and he will change your life when you ask God for peace and when you ask him to bring about change sometimes he uses really hard things Mm -hmm. to bring about the changes that are needed in your marriage in your life and who you are to change who you are to be more like Christ and for your family because it is so important because the devil wants to destroy families in order to destroy the church. When you rely on God, he will absolutely take those broken pieces and make something new of it. And that's my story. And I always tell my son every day when he goes to school, no matter how bad things are, to choose joy, no matter your circumstances. Because Without the joy of the Lord, you have nothing to stand on. And so now that is my new mind pattern. That is my my new saying, choose joy. Choose joy no matter what is going on in your life. I just had a car accident. It could have been really bad. But God kept me and kept my son so we could continue to choose joy and make that a statement no matter what you're going through choose joy choose the Lord because he will make all things right Mm -hmm. no matter how bad it is and it's been bad for us but we got through it because of that foundation we have with Christ no matter what we could pray and he will hear us and this holds true for every one of us and I thank my church family that have been here. Even when they didn't understand what was going on, they were there for me and my son and for Marcus too in prayer and helping and giving hearts that you guys have. I love you guys. You're my family when I don't have family. Amen. Thanks. Good job. Anybody else want to share before? Don't feel rushed here. Um, and I can bring this to you. You don't have to come up on stage if you're like, I want to share, but I don't want to get on that stage. So, yeah. All right. <laughs>